0: A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin Get in the long with a
1: bunch of demons. Do we believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did.
2: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs>
0: Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians, three, seven.
1: Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme <laughs> war. <wall> and...
2: <laughs> right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. <laughs> so put your trust in the sovereign and risen. Disciple, but we take what he's created And we turn him into idols so I'll never back down So how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin Of TBMs, yeah Spirit and truth is worship viewing In this chemistry, but, but some Are spewing distorted views of the Trinity They're with the enemy Their lies have been bought Whether you like it or not, you will tie the get shot No reference from the reverence, only pathetic Benevolence, who claims to heal without You
0: ain't got no scene in your life. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the master's dog. I almost did it again. I almost said the name of the wrong podcast. We are on the master's dog, and this is episode 50, and I am your host, the evangelical norm. I'm going to get this right one of these days, even if it kills me. Uh, Episode 50. We have done 50 episodes of The Master's Dog on top of the 35 episodes of Faith and Beliefs Refuted. So we're actually really about episode 85 of this particular podcast, which is dealing with false teachers. So again, started out as, as faith and beliefs refuted, uh, got up to episode 35 of that, and then we reconfigured the whole thing as the master's dog, as a podcast to deal with not just the Mormons and um, their stuff, but I wanted to deal with all false teachers and so on. So um, we are actually, today we're going to be dealing with the Mormons. It is, as, a, as of recording time I don't know that I'm going to release this until for a couple of days because I've got a couple other episodes stockpiled that I want to get out, um, and I'll do one a day. So this is probably going to come out on um, Tuesday, uh, April. What is today? What what date is today? Today I don't even know. The lockdown has got days all. It's the fifth. So we're looking at April. Uh, 7th tuesday april 7th is more than likely when you're watching this so two days ago for you uh as you're listening to this was the uh sunday session of the lds uh general conference um usually i don't see any of the the general conference and i am not unless there's something significant that makes me go back and watch an episode or a, a session Um, I don't see it because usually I'm out on the street in Salt Lake city, witnessing and preaching and, and sharing the gospel with people who need to hear it. Well, everybody's locked down. There was, I, I don't know if anybody was out there today. I actually should have jumped in my truck and driven down there just to see if I could have a conversation with somebody. Um, of course, six feet away because you know, social distancing, um, did I just roll my eyes? Could you hear me roll my eyes? Um. So I wasn't down there for the first time in a couple of years, I was not out on the street, um, on the first weekend in April sharing the gospel with, uh, not just the LDS people, but I get into conversations with atheists, other, uh, other Christians, quote unquote Christians, um, and so on. So, uh, instead of doing that, I was actually here at home and I actually watched a portion of, uh, the Sunday, uh, general uh, conference session for this year and i got to hear live and um you know and direct from the president the prophet himself uh, i oh, just turned my stomach every time i heard um what's the guy's name dallin oaks or something um actually say uh our beloved prophet it just yeah i threw up a little in my mouth but all that aside, um, he made they made a proclamation. So he started talking about how this is the supposedly the 200th anniversary of the first vision. Now, no one really made it clear which version of the first vision. Uh, it's the 200th anniversary of. There's nine or ten versions out there that you can uh, take a look at and decide. Um, there is an official one of the church. That they hold to but there's there's a bunch of them out there Um, whether they were you know told from Joseph to another person excuse me written down by Joseph himself whatever but there are a lot of different versions of this first vision that they are commemorating the 200th year of so he talked about the different uh, and I think actually in this video he'll actually talk about it so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop I'm gonna let him talk we're gonna look at this video from Russell M. Nelson, the the prophet, revelator, and seer, president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, Incorporated, um, blah 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 blah. Right? You know, um, the the mouthpiece of Satan. That's that's what I'm going to call him, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna give a little bit of a, a dissertation here and make his proclamation to the world about the restoration of uh this church and then as always i'll let him talk it's about nine minutes so we're probably going to be about a 30 minute episode as i let him go and then interject where i need to interject so with no further ado ladies and gentlemen i introduce to you the president of the lds church russell nelson (laughs) the sacred grove. For those of you who are listening,
1: this is a video. On various occasions throughout the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have erected monuments to commemorate important anniversaries. On the Prophet Joseph Smith's 100th birthday in 1905, for example, President Joseph F. Smith dedicated a large obelisk at the prophet's birthplace in Sharon, Vermont. On another significant centennial, July 24th, 1947, 100 years after the pioneers oh, yeah, yeah, entered the Salt Lake Valley, like that. President George Albert Smith dedicated the This is the Place Monument at the mouth of Emigration Canyon in Salt Lake City, Utah. As we anticipated the 200th anniversary of the first vision received by Joseph Smith, the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles pondered what we might do to commemorate appropriately this unique event that initiated the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ and ushered in the dispensation of the fullness of times we asked ourselves if another monument should be erected. But as we considered that unique manifestation of revelation and the historic international impact of that first vision, we felt impressed to establish a monument of words, words of solemn and sacred proclamation written not to be carved in tables of stone, but in words that could be etched in the fleshy tables of all human hearts. During the 190 years since the church was organized, only five proclamations have been issued, with the last being the family, a proclamation to the world, Presented by President Gordon B. Hinckley
0: in 1995. Now. As- I don't know if they really know that these proclamations aren't getting to everybody. I mean, even as a, when I was a member, I, I didn't know of any of these proclamations. I mean, I, I left the church before the last couple of proclamations, I believe. Um, you know, the, the family and, and so on. Um, but, yeah, do you. Nobody's really listening to you, but the people within your church, and and I'm I'm banking on the fact that only about seventy five percent of those are are really paying that close of attention. So I mean this, uh, it, I'm at a loss for words, and that's usually not something that happens to me. Uh, to put that much weight behind your proclamation, I mean. I'm sorry, but you have an elevated view of who you are. You consider yourself to be a prophet, revelator, and seer, but you're just a dude, right? You're just an old dude, Um, you know? And so there's not that much weight behind this proclamation. So there, I said it.
1: As we contemplate this significant time in the history of the world, and the Lord's charge to accelerate the gathering of Israel in preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ. We, the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, issue the following proclamation. Its title is The Restoration of the Fullness of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, a Bicentennial Proclamation to the World. It is authored by the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is dated April, 2020. We solemnly proclaim that God loves his children in every nation of the world. God the Father has given us the divine birth incomparable life and the infinite atoning sacrifice of his beloved son jesus christ by the power of the father jesus rose again and gained the victory over death he is our savior our exemplar
0: and our redeemer okay Let's I, I think we should establish who Jesus is, though, don't you, Russell? Um, you know, again, the Jesus that you are making this proclamation of is not the Jesus that is taught in the Bible. And it's just simply not the Jesus that you are proclaiming right now is the Jesus who is an offspring of Elohim. A literal offspring, a product of a sexual relationship between Elohim, a heavenly father, and some unnamed heavenly mother, and whose brother is Lucifer, and who is nothing more than, you know, a, and a, again, a, a created being. The, the Bible does not make that so. The Bible is clear. John 1.1 one. 1 and through 18 makes it very clear, kind of refutes a whole lot of what the Mormons teach. But Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning, the word was there and the word is Christ. He was not born of anybody, whether spiritual or um, he was born physically by of Mary. We know that. But he is not a created being. He is eternal with the father as, as an eternal with the spirit. He is not. Something that came after he didn't, he did not have a beginning point. He has a a birth date that his human body was born and grew and lived. But the God, the son does not have a beginning of days. He's the alpha and omega. He is, he is before the beginning. He was there in the beginning with the father. So immediately we have to establish who are you talking about? Because and for those of you listening, this is who he is talking about. He is talking about a Christ who was created, who was born of a, a, a sexual relationship between a heavenly man and a heavenly woman, and then took on a body here like every other human being. And so that is the, the Christ that he is proclaiming right now.
1: 200 years ago, on a beautiful spring morning in 1820, Young Joseph Smith, seeking to know which church to join, went into the woods to pray near his home in upstate New York, USA. He had questions regarding the salvation of his soul and trusted that God would direct him. In humility, we declare that in answer to his prayer, God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, appeared to Joseph and inaugurated the restitution of all things as foretold in the Bible. In-
0: okay. I don't know. I, I He's probably going to go on and, and some of the stuff that I'm addressing. But um, again, which version? Are, are, obviously, you've picked a version, the official version, but Joseph made different proclamations of who he talked to in the garden one one version he just spoke to angels another he talked to nephi another he just talked to jesus and then he talked to the god, god the father and jesus and all these things all there there are literally nine or ten different versions of this first vision now here's the problem that i have with that now okay let me back up on this and a lot of times if someone is recounting an event especially I mean given this event this is a pretty significant event and you may not remember every specific detail but you're going to get the majority of the details right I don't remember everything that happened the day my daughter was born but I know there're significant things that, that when as I retell the story to different people and it's an amusing story um it's an amazing story but there there are things that that stick out the doctor asked for a stool the nurse asked for a stool they're both not the tallest people in the world um they're you know pushing and and prodding at my wife and i was feeling kind of like this is i felt like it was a violent event that was happening um to my wife at this point in time and then the the water gushed and my daughter came out and she was beautiful and she was amazing and they took her over and they cleaned her off and they brought her to us and so again but i don't place more people there or forget that the doctor was there or forget that the nurse was there there are specific things joseph told this story so many times and there are distinct Issues that, that were not part of it. The story literally evolved from the beginning to the end. That is a di- indication of a lie. And they're trusting in, in a burning in the bosom to, to convince them that this is true. When in all reality, every part of the story of Joseph Smith and the changing of the first vision indicates somebody is lying. Making up stories as he goes along but yet they are basing this whole restoration on, on this account. Continue.
1: In this vision, he learned that following the death of the original apostles, Christ's New Testament church was lost from the earth. Joseph would be instrumental in its return. But wait a minute.
0: There were, when I was part of the church, when I was a kid and in the church, we were taught that um, John never died, that John the Apostle, so how can he lose, after the death of the original apostles, if John never died, how can the church leave the earth? Did John lose his priesthood authority, or did John die? So now you have a problem, because you have parts of the church that taught, and presidents of the church that taught, that John the Apostle never died. But if John the Apostle never died, then the priesthood authority never left the earth. It never needed to be restored because he still continued to have it. Why didn't an an angel or somebody have to come and restore it when when John the Baptist could have just appeared to Joseph and said, Hey, you know what? Here, let's do this thing. Apparently, there are three Nephites that never died. They should have held the priesthood authority, right? So again, you have problems in the teachings of this church that and with it being such a historical church, meaning that they keep everything, they they keep records of every sermon and, and talk that was given. There are these problems. So that those again, these are my questions. We affirm that under the direction
1: of the Father and the Son, heavenly messengers came to instruct Joseph and reestablish the Church of Jesus Christ. The resurrected John the Baptist restored the authority to baptize by immersion for the remission of sins. Three of the original 12 apostles, Peter, James, and John, restored the apostleship and keys of priesthood authority. Others came as well, including Elijah, restored the authority to join families together forever in eternal relationships that transcend death
0: okay now this actually completely opposes the words of christ in the new testament where when he was asked about who would the woman be married to, the Sadducees and the Pharisees came to him and said, you know, the man has a wife and he dies and is, and, and she marries his brother and his brother and, and all seven brothers marry this woman and then she dies and never has kids and so on. In the resurrection, whose wife is she? And Jesus made it very clear. And no, he wasn't talking about You know, something different. He was talking about marriage in eternity, marriage in the resurrection. He said, neither will they marry nor be given in marriage at the resurrection. So you are literally hearing this man contradict the words of Christ. There are no eternal marriages. And it's not like I'm going to get to heaven and I'm not going to know my wife. She's going to be there. She is saved. If my daughter repents and puts her trust in Jesus, she's going to be there. We have multiple children that did not even get the opportunity to come into this world. And I am fully convinced that they are there in heaven. I have a niece, a great niece that is there in heaven. And I'm going to be there and I'm going to see them and I'm going to know who they were. But I am not going to have the same marriage relationship with my wife that I have now in heaven. It's going to be different. She's going to be, we are going to be worshiping God. We are not going to be married in the sense that we have a sexual relationship, that we are having children and so on. That is, that's going to change. So the eternity of marriage is not, it's not like I'm not going to know who she is. It's not going to like go, "Eh, she's kind of familiar, but I'm not quite sure. No, I'm going to know she was my wife and I'm still going to have a significant love for her. But it's going to be different. It's going to be better. It's going to be changed. And why on earth is it Elijah that is coming back? So are you telling me that if if Elijah was the one that had to restore sealing authority, did the apostles of Christ not have that authority? Because, I mean, Elijah was gone a long time before they were. So if, if that authority died with him or did it? And why, why was it him that came back to restore that authority? Those are the, I mean, again, those are significant questions that pop up in this.
1: We further witness that Joseph Smith was given the gift and power of God to translate an ancient record, the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ.
0: Okay. Let's talk about that because that's been a discussion that I've been having today on Twitter with different people. Let's talk about this gift of translation. Now, this has changed also in the history of the church because when I was a kid, the pictures that I saw saw, showed Joseph with the, the golden plates and he's looking at them and he's reading them and he's telling the words to Oliver Cowdery or Emma or whoever is his scribe and they're writing these things down. And then it comes out that we find out that that's not really how he did it. Well, the, the plates might have been in the room, but they were either, colored, either covered by a towel or they weren't even in the room. But in reality, Joseph has his, his, his little occultic seer stone in a hat and his face in the hat. And he is, do I have a hat in here? I, I don't have a hat. I really would like to kind of give an example of what this looks like, how ridiculous this looks. But I, I, don't, I don't have a hat. Okay. Um, so face in the hat, rock in the hat, and the words are appearing on the rock. So he's not translating uh, an ancient record. He's looking at words on a rock. He's telling a story as he's going through in his mind. He's not translating anything. Translation literally includes me looking at this This little piece of paper and me translating the words, whether it's from English into Spanish or whatever, and I don't speak any of those languages and I'm probably not going to try to make a fool of myself and try to speak some French or whatever. But that is what translation is. This is a dude with his face in a hat making up a story. This is literally what it is. And, you know, the thing is the arguments of, well, if he had to have, he'd have had to have written them down and they didn't see anything. He's, he's a storyteller. He's not a dumb guy. He had, his dad was a teacher. His grandma was a school teacher. His mother was very eloquent and very educated. He was educated. He was an educated man. And supposedly Emma said he couldn't even write a letter or whatever, but no, he was a great orator. And he could tell a story. And that's what he did by putting his face in a hat. And it's ridiculous in its context. There is no other time in history. Somebody from the Mormon church, please show me any other time in history when someone has translated an ancient record like this. Because it has never happened ever. This is ridiculousness at a height that astronomically high right this is this is absolutely ridiculous to think that this is how god would have a man translate an ancient record and then oh yeah by the way we don't have that ancient record anymore because the angel took it back so we have 11 guys that supposedly saw it with the eye of faith and no one else And the, the Emma never saw them. They were always covered with a towel if they were there or a sheet or something or separated. So we have 11 guys that I think I I don't, I don't want to misspeak, but I'm willing to say all 11 at some point in time were either excommunicated or left the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Some started their own religions. So, again, these are things that you've got to take into account when you hear him say these things. This is a proclamation to the world. This is ridiculous. Pages
1: of this sacred text include an account of the personal ministry of Jesus Christ among people in the Western Hemisphere soon after his resurrection. It teaches of life's purpose and explains the doctrine of Christ, which is central to that purpose.
0: Okay, now the majority of the things that are taught and practiced in the LDS Church do not appear in the Book of Mormon. Baptisms for the dead, eternal marriages, endowment ceremonies, um, three levels of heaven, um, the the the... Presidency and the structure of the church. None of these things are found in the Book of Mormon. They're all either Doctrine and Covenants or so on. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on. There are tons of things that are are doctrinal issues in in the LDS Church that are not anywhere in the Book of Mormon. As a companion scripture to the Bible...
1: The Book of Mormon testifies that all human beings are sons and
0: daughters of a loving Father in Heaven. Okay, well, the Bible actually says that's not true. It says that we are only His children once we are adopted, that we are children of wrath. I mean, I, I should have looked up these verses, but I'm, again, I'm, I'm just reacting to this, as, and I'll, I'll try to remember to put them in the, these verses in the description. But we are children of wrath. And it says that, that and, and again, in John 1, let me just grab quickly. Here, let's use the LDS Bible. Hold on, my bad. Live podcasting, there we go. So I have got my, my uh, version, my LDS uh, Bible. Church of Jesus Christ even has my name engraved on it because it was given to me a long time ago. Somebody uh, grabbed it out of my hand and, and ripped it. But let's go to John 1. Let's just look at this and, and talk about this. Because literally, if, if the Book of Mormon is a... Companion to the Bible, and the Book of Mormon teaches that all people are children of God. In the way that the Mormons believe, then sets that we were all born as spirit children of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, and then given a human body to come down here and live. But the uh, John one says, um, do 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 do. John one twelve. but as many as received him to them he gave the power to become the sons of God even to them that believed on his name now here's the thing if Jesus gives us the ability to become sons of God it means we were not sons of God so you've already you, again you've got another contradiction between what he's saying and again I don't remember anywhere in the book of Mormon I've read it a few times but I don't By no means do I have it memorized. So I don't remember a place where it teaches that we are all literally God's children, but that would be a contradiction to what God's word says in that we are given the power to become sons of God when we repent and believe on the name of Jesus Christ. So there's an issue, another one. Carry on. That he has a divine plan for our lives
1: and that his son Jesus Christ speaks today as well as in days of old. We declare that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, organized on April 6, 1830, is Christ's New Testament church
0: restored. This. Okay. Now, here's an important thing, because for those of you who belong to another religion, one of the things that he left out and he never mentions, if he's going to talk about the first vision, let's talk about what was said in the first vision and the fact that God supposedly says, points at Jesus and says, this is my beloved son, hear him. And then Jesus says to Joseph, when he asked which church he should join, Jesus says, none of them, for they are all in a, they're, they're all an abomination, uh, they're, they're, for they're all wrong. Um, I should have, again, looked this up, but I'm not going to find another book to go run around. But paraphrasing, they're all wrong. Their creeds are an abomination and the professors of which are corrupt. This is what they consider you. Christian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever you are, if you're watching this, they consider that you are part of the wrong religion because they're the, the true restored church. You know, they, they, they change the words a little bit. It used to be that they would just say outright, it is God's true church. Now they use, it's the new Testament church restored because they want to say, eh, some people have a little bit of truth. No, they think you're an abomination. Your creed is an abomination. Your church is an abomination. And you as its professor are corrupt. Th- those are the words that supposedly were spoken.
1: Church is
0: anchored in the perfect life of
1: its chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, and in his infinite atonement and literal resurrection. Jesus Christ has once again called apostles and
0: has given them priesthood authority. He invites... Again, I got to jump back because to to indicate an infinite atonement. Now, the Mormons believe that everybody who comes to this earth, except for a choice few people, go to one level of heaven or another. So the atonement of Christ applies to everybody. It's universalism, except for guys like me who held the Mormon priesthood and renounced the Mormon priesthood. We get to go to outer darkness with Satan and his demons. Um, But everybody else, a universalist attitude that everybody gets to go to some level of heaven or another, you know. Hitler, you know Kweku, uh another Mormon apologist, loves to use the fact that if a if a, uh, a, a German soldier who murdered Jews and did all these things, if on his deathbed he repents, he's going to go to heaven. And but Anne Frank, who died as a Jew, went to hell. And uh, but Mormon theology says that that uh, that German soldier, without ever repenting goes to the lowest level of heaven, goes to one level of heaven or another. Because the universalist, the infinite atonement of Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm a Calvinist, so I'm a tulip, and I believe in a limited atonement, that the atonement of Christ is applied to those who repent and believe in God, who are elected, who are the chosen of God, and that there are those people who are going to die and go to hell because their sins are still upon them. And so he's making a proclamation of an infinite atonement. He is literally, uh, again, contradicting the words and the teachings of Christ in the New Testament, where Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats, the wheats and the wheat and the tares. Jesus makes it very clear that there are going to be those that go to heaven and those that go to hell. But they are teaching a universalist thing that contradicts the words of Christ from the Bible.
1: All of us to come under him and his church receive the Holy Ghost the ordinances of salvation and to gain enduring joy
0: ordinances of salvation meaning that you have to do works to be saved you have to do these certain ordinances to be saved and if you don't do them then you're not saved you're stuck in one of the lower levels of heaven whereas Christ says you believe in me you repent and you trust in my sacrificial work the only ordinance of salvation was Christ's death on the cross that, that was the work that he did, the sacrificial work of, of, the, of our high priest on his own behalf, sacrificing himself. And that is the only ordinance required for heaven, required for salvation. There are no ordinances of salvation. Jesus died to provide, and we have to repent and believe in him and trust in his sacrificial work.
1: 200 years have now elapsed since this restoration was initiated by God the Father and His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Millions throughout the world have embraced a knowledge of these prophesied events. We gladly declare that the promised restoration goes forward through continuing revelation. The earth will never again be the same as God will gather together in one all things in Christ. With reverence and gratitude, we as his apostles invite all to know, as we do, that the heavens are open. We affirm that God is making known his will for his beloved sons and daughters. We testify. That those who prayerfully study the message of the restoration and act in faith will be blessed to gain their own witness of its divinity and of its purpose to prepare the world for the promised second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: All right, so, there you go. Um... How do I end this? I testify and affirm. I had... This testimony that they talk about. You don't hear it as much anymore, but I mean, when I was a kid, the burning in the bosom was talked about all the time. If you pray, you'll get a burning in your bosom. You'll get a witness. Well, the thing is, is it's again, it's a subjective thing and they're trying to move away from this. So they'll, they'll say, Oh, you'll get a witness and blah, blah. They're not going to tell you here, but ultimately what it's going to come down to is they're going to go, you pray and you're going to, you're going to get a burning in your bosom or whatever. This is a subjective feeling that they're telling you to trust. And I did, did for a long period of time, but then I started to look at facts. I started to look at the facts that there are anachronisms in the Book of Mormon. I looked at the ridiculous way that it was translated. I looked at the the fact that there's plagiarism in the Book of Mormon. I looked at the fact that there are so many things that contradict what the Bible actually teaches. And and, and again, my my journey out of Mormonism didn't lead directly into salvation. I went through all kinds of things because of the the... <laughs> I almost said, well, not a bad word, but I almost said, I almost said something crass, I guess. Uh, the, the stuff that they teach, the garbage that they teach, I'll say it, the crap that they teach, led me into Islam and I had a period in, in witchcraft and, and so on before God s- uh, saved me until Christ drew me to himself and and, and really saved me. And because of the things, but I had that testimony, but I had to look at evidence and I had to say, I'm out, I'm done, I'm gone. I cannot continue in the vein that I have been in. And I walked away and I testify to you that I know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a false religion. They teach a false gospel of a false Christ of a false God who is born of a false God, of a false God, of a false God, of a false God. The church of Jesus Christ is a deception and a doctrine of demons, and it will do nothing but lead its followers to hell. And these are going to be the people that Jesus spoke of in, in the book of Matthew. And I want to say it's, it's is it Matthew 24 or is it Matthew 7? When it, I wanna Okay, yeah, there you go. I should have looked up some of these. But these are the people that are going to be talked about, as, as Matthew said in his gospel, that are going to approach Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And I'm telling you that these men that were prophets, prophets, apostles whatever who led the mormon church and i'm convinced they have to know i cannot i cannot think that they are operating under the same deception that the general mormon uh rank and file member is But these men are going to have to stand by as each and every person that they led to hell has to hear those words come out of Jesus's mouth. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you before these men will hear those words themselves and be placed with the goats to be cast into the lake of fire. And I beg you, please, if you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, get out. Repent of your sin and trust the Jesus Christ of the Bible, who is God, who is the creator of all things, not a created thing, who is eternal with God. He is the second person of the Trinity, the second person of the triune God, God, the son who took on a body of flesh and went to the cross to bear the penalty for your sin. So that if you will just repent and believe in him and not by any works of your own, if you will trust him to be the work that you need for salvation, he will save you. And it's not of works so that you cannot boast as Joseph Smith boasted, as these men continually boast in the fact that they are prophets and whatever. Get out, turn to Christ, repent and trust the savior for your salvation and not your own works and not ordinances of salvation or a, false book that is 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 fiction and plagiarism but look to christ repent and believe and christians please if you have your mormon friends do what i ask you to do all the time and that is preach the gospel at all times and use words because they are absolutely necessary and until next time soli deo gloria